dismissed for Children's Church, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. This morning, as the kids go out to this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and uh, I just want to look at a couple verses this morning. Friendly reminder that I have not um, reminded uh, in a while. Uh, if you could help me out with this, this would be tremendous. Uh, no, <laughs> no food and no drink in the sanctuary. No food and no drink in the sanctuary, unless you have water. Um, uh, water, this is fine, but uh, if you could help out with that, as you know, as you can see, uh, the carpet, we're trying to keep as long as we can, and um, I know accidents happen, and uh, so if you could help out with that, uh, that would be um, very much appreciated. On Wednesday nights, uh, we have our services over in the fellowship hall, and you can have all the food you want over there, and um, and so, um, uh, but if you can help me out in here, uh, that would be... Um, that would be a help and a blessing, and so um, thank you for uh, thank you for um, understanding on that. And um, that was my nice version. Okay, um, next one won't be so nice, but uh, uh, well, I, pre- I do appreciate your help with that. Second Timothy chapter number two, and um, let's begin uh, reading in verse number one. Second Timothy chapter number two, and verse number one. Now, therefore, my son, be strong. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 2. Interesting. Interesting verse. And the things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The things that you have learned uh, of, of me and heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. As I think about this verse, I think about um, a couple things. Number one, I think about what we as born-again believers need, uh, and one of the things that we need is understanding, is understanding. Where do we get that understanding? Well, of course, we get that understanding from uh, the Word of God. We get that wisdom that we need. How are you going to know what you're supposed to do unless you're told? I've used the example on multiple occasions with with my children. Um, I, I tell my children, when my children were small, I told them what I expected of them, then then I expected them to do it. I never assumed that my children knew what I was thinking. I never said, I never I never went up to Kyle and said, I don't I don't understand why you didn't take out the trash. And him say, Well, because you didn't tell me. And I say, Well, you should have read my mind. I, I, never, I never said that. Now, I have said, why didn't you take out the trash? And he said, oh, no. Because I'd ask him that because I told him you had to take out the trash. So when God 
tells us what we need to do. The Bible says this, one day we will be without excuse. You see, we're, we're a people of excuses. I mean, we are, I mean, we have an excuse, absolute excuse for everything. Why we don't do this and why we don't get that done and why we don't do this and why we haven't done that. And boy, one day we're going to stand before God. By the way, that is a biblical fact. That's not just something preachers preach. That's a biblical fact. We're all going to stand before, as Christians, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So as non-Christians, great white throne judgment. So all of us, every human being that's ever walked the face of the earth is going to stand before one of two judgments. So if you think because you're saved and you trusted Christ as your Savior that you're not going to have to answer for what you've done, then you need to reread your Bible. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says we're going to give an answer for what we've done in our bodies, whether they be good or bad. Now, it's not going to be according to our salvation. You won't be, you won't, you won't be at the judgment seat of Christ if you're not saved. Judgment seat of Christ is for only those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You see, in this world, we have one thing common. Now, most of us have more than one thing common, but every single person that has ever lived on the face of this earth has one thing common, and that is we are born in sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. When you think of people in the Bible, when you think of David, when you think of Abraham, when you think of Esther, and you think of Ruth, and you move to the New Testament, and you think of Peter, and you think of Paul, and you think of James, and you think of Hebrews chapter number 11, the heroes of the faith, right? I mean, these people that are that are magnanimous, these people that are larger than life, these people that have lived their life by faith. Isn't that what Hebrews 11 is all about? By faith, by faith, by faith. God was commending them for the faith that they had in Him. Let me tell you something they all had in common. They were all sinners. That's one thing we've got we to get back to understanding. We've got to get back to knowing the problem we have in our world today is sin, folks. The problem we have in our world today is people. You can blame it on all sorts of things. You can blame it on your upbringing, and you can blame it on your environment, and you can blame it on your workplace, and you can blame it on your spouse, and you can blame it on your children. You can blame it on who you want to, but I'm telling you, the problem is sin. We are the problem. God's not the problem. And by the way, we've been blaming God since the beginning. Do you remember when, remember when they fell, when Adam and Eve fell? And Adam didn't blame Eve, by the way. He blamed God. He said to God, do you remember what he said to God? It's the woman thou hast given me. In other words, Lord, if you didn't give her to me, this would have never happened. Now, he was throwing her under the bus, but he was blaming God. And we've been blaming God ever since. Listen, God's not the problem. God's the solution. You see, I, I, I can't, I've never met anybody. I, they may be out there. 
But I've ever, never actually met somebody and actually talked to them face to face and them tell me, you know what, one day when I die, I, I, I want to go to hell. I've not heard anybody say that. Now, I've heard a lot of people assume that they're going to heaven. Well, come on, preacher. God's a God of love. And God, and we come up with all these things that excuse the way we live our lives and excuse our rejection of Jesus Christ and that this universalism that everybody's going to be saved. However, the Bible says broad is the way to destruction. Narrow is the way to everlasting life. That's what the Bible says. Now, it is God's desire that none should perish and that all should come to repentance. That is God's desire. God wants everybody to be saved. But you have to decide. You have to choose. See, Jesus Christ knew you had no hope. Do you realize that? I hope you understand. I hope you understand the love of God in your life so much that God looked down and knew you had no hope. You can't save yourself. Nobody else can save you. Can I tell you something? This church can't save you. Religion can't save you. Good works can't save you. Baptism can't save you. Confirmation can't save you. Fill in the blank. It it cannot save you. You are without hope. So Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven. And he came to this sin-sick world, lived a sinless and perfect life, died upon the cross. The Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. He became sin. He died for us. God turned his back on his son for you. He took the sins of the world. He took your sin and my sin, not his sin. He didn't have sin. He was without sin. Can you imagine that? It's hard for us to understand, isn't it? Never lied, never cheated. Nothing. Never, never sinned. Lived sinless and perfect life. Why did he do that? Because it was your only hope. He took the sins of the world upon him. He died. He was buried. The Bible says that he rose again the third day. Now watch this. The scripture says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. Now, I find it several things interesting about that. Number one, he's seated. When you're done with something, you generally sit down, right? Yeah, you ever work hard out in the yard and you come in? I mean, 114 degrees, I don't know who enjoys doing that, but whatever. I'm, I'm, you, you, you do you, okay? But uh, I don't even like to walk across the parking lot, let alone work in the yard. But you work in the yard, I mean, you're sweating. I mean, you're about to pass out, dying, and you come in and get on the elliptical. Yeah, I don't think so, right? You come in, you, you get a good, nice, tall glass of water or some Gatorade or something, and you, and you sit down. Why? Because you're finished. You see, Jesus Christ is seated, and he's seated. Now, do you find it interesting? I don't believe God puts a word in the Bible on accident. I think every word has purpose. Um, when, When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he did not say, I am a way, a truth, or a life. 
He didn't, he didn't use the indefinite article. He used the definite article. Why? Because he's saying, I am the one and only way. I am the one and only life. And I am the one and only truth. And so Jesus Christ is the way. And the Bible says he went to the, not to the side of the Father. He didn't say he went to the left side of the Father. He said he went to the right side of the Father. If you do your research, the right side is always the side of authority. You see, Jesus Christ not only had the desire, but he had the ability to die for your sins. You see, I might love you enough to want to die for your sins, but I don't have the ability to do it. I might like you enough to write you a check for a million dollars, but I wouldn't cash it. It's just going to bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce. Why? Because I might have the desire to do that for you, but I don't have the ability to do that for you. You see, I don't have the ability to die for you. Jesus Christ had the desire and the ability to die for your sins. And he took the sins of the world upon himself. And he is now, if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he will impute his righteousness to your account. It's never been, listen to me, it's never been about your righteousness. Isaiah said your righteousness is as filthy rags. It's not about what we've done or what we can accomplish. It's all about what's already been done for us. Never one time. It's never happened to me with my children. Through the years, we celebrate Christmas. By the way, the older they get, the more expensive that thing gets. Every year I say, this year, no presents. Good night. They're all in their 20s. And we're still getting them presents. And they're getting more expensive. But I've never had my kids wake up and come out Christmas morning, find all these Christmas presents. I mean, and then we start. I used to be such a micromanager. I don't know if any of you are like this. But I used to sit there and I mean, this is what I would do. Finally, my wife said, okay, enough's enough. But I'd sit there and I'd hand out the gifts because I knew what every gift was because I wrapped every gift. And so I'd hand them out one, one. You only got one gift. You open that gift, you show me you're thankful for that gift, and you'll get another one. Otherwise, I'll take it back. You know, that's, I never said that, but that's what I thought. And so but that's kind of what we always did. Well, now we just kind of give them their gifts and it's, it's over with. But I've never had one of my children ever, not even as adults, open up the gift and say, oh, my gosh, Dad, this is the best gift ever. Here's $200. I don't know if probably none of you who have had that ever happened to you either. Wendy said, you know, I've said that to Wendy before. And she said, oh, I said, no, no, I take it. <laughs> you know, as much as I paid for that gift, I don't even touch it, you know. But I've never had them pay. You know why? Because the gift has already been paid for. I already purchased the gift. How silly would it be for me to give them a gift and then expect them to pay me back? Listen to me. If they did that, it's no longer a gift. Listen, if you get me something, if you get me something, and I ask you to get me something, you, you're gone somewhere, and, and you, come, you come back and said, okay, you asked me for whatever, I, 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 got, I got them for you, and I gave you money, that's not a gift. I paid you for it, right? 
But if you give me something and I don't give you anything back, it's a gift. Can I tell you, you can never, ever, ever pay for what Jesus Christ did for you. It's not possible. I mean, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough works. We don't have enough righteousness. Our righteousnesses are filthy rags. And our best is not good enough. So we know what we do. We'd be thankful. Place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and He will save you. But once He saves you, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're not saved. I implore you. I, I, I beseech you, the Scripture says. I beg you. Don't put it off any longer. Place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ before it's eternally too late. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time, the Scripture says. But if you are saved, and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, let me tell you what you need. You need understanding. What's next? What, what do I do next? One of, the, one of the biggest things about me is I'm a big missions guy. I love missions. I love foreign missions. I love home missions as well, but I love foreign missions, and I, and I love to see people go over and start churches and start orphanages and start all these programs to, uh, to, to, to see people get saved and their lives get changed. One of the things that irks me, I'll just be transparent with you, one of the things that irks me is missionaries that go into a place and have a great big campaign, invite all these villages, invite all these people, Preach the gospel to them. Some of them get saved. We don't know how many, but some of them get saved. And then they leave. No church is ever planted. No church is ever recommended. And these people that do get saved are thinking to themselves, what do I do next? You see, we have the advantage of living in the United States of America. On top of that, we have another advantage of living in the South. How, what do I mean by that? I mean, there's a church on every single corner. When people say that they're going to the mission field, we often think about Africa, you know, Europe. Do you realize there are places right here in the United States of America that are a mission field? Do you know there are places where I live that you can drive for miles and miles and miles and not find a church? I'm not, I'm not, but by the way, I'm not talking about a Baptist church. You can drive for hours and not find a Baptist church where I'm from. I'm just talking about a church. One of the towns that's close to where I live, it's, a, it's just like a township. There's really not much there. There's an old time Bible-preaching Methodist church that's been there for I don't, uh, as, long as, as long as I can remember, way before me. And I, and I think to myself, if anybody wants to go to church, it's basically where they go to church. There's, there's, there's just nothing in the area. Here? Man, we have the ability. And by the way, we have so much of the ability that if the preacher makes me mad, I'll just go to another church. Because there's one around the corner. Right? We have another advantage. You know what it is? So it's computers and phones. I want to know something, all i got to do is Google it. 
I want to find a passage. Blue, listen to me. If you do the computer and you don't have Blue Letter Bible, you're, you're, you're missing out. BlueLetterBible.com. You need to download Blue Letter Bible. It is one of the best concordances that you can ever have. And it's got commentaries and all sorts of different things on it. I mean, it's absolutely awesome. If I can't find a passage, it's the only app I use. You know, you know me. I, I was not a computer person. I don't even own a computer. Okay? My, my wife has one for her business. I, I don't even own one. I got, a, I got a phone only because I have to and only because you, if you have to get a hold of me and you can't get a hold of me, you know, you're going to pitch a fit. So I have to have a phone. Otherwise, I'd throw it in the river. Okay? And so I, I can't say, but Blue Letter Bible, I love, I mean, if I'm thinking about something and I can't read, boop, boop, it comes right up. What, a, what an advantage that is. We have Bibles in our language. Well, duh. Do you know that there are, do you know how many languages there's not even a piece of the Bible in? Not a piece. How many people groups? Do you know how many people groups that are just in the 1040 window that have never even heard the gospel before? That blow your mind? I mean, we hear the gospel sometimes on a daily basis. We watch, you know, we watch podcasts and we, we're on websites and we come to church and, and we hear the gospel all the time and yet. Does that make you scratch your head? How many people in America, how many people that are sitting in churches week in and week out that lack understanding? We lack it. And can I tell you, there are several reasons we lack that understanding. Reason number one, apathy. Whatever. That's what apathy is. I I don't care. I, I come to church because, you know, my... Parents expect me to come to church. I come to church because my spouse expects me to come to church. I come to church because that's what I've always been doing. But listen, I, the only thing I care about is when the preacher's done. The only thing I care about is what's for lunch. I mean, where, where, and the whole time, whole time the, the Sunday school teacher's teaching, the whole time the preacher's preaching, and so many people are thinking to myself, okay, well, we went there last week, and there's, you know, that's the bad thing about Rankin. I mean, there's like five places to eat. And you're like, no, I don't want to go there. And things that are being said in one ear, out the other. You ever think about that with your kids when they were kids? You're like, is there any gray matter? Or does it just go slip right, right in one ear, right out the other? Sometimes, listen, I've, I've threatened it. I'm, I'm going to do a lottery. And I'm going to start picking names and make you sit up here. The whole service. Make you sit up in one of these chairs just so you can see the faces that I see. You ever notice I take my glasses off? I don't see so good without my glasses. Because sometimes this is the face I get. Or I get this from time to time too. You know I'm looking, right? You know I'm, I'm watching you. And we allow things. Listen, we do. Cause, of the, because sometimes because of apathy, we allow things just to get right by us. You know another reason? Laziness. Laziness. Now, we ain't too lazy to turn TV on. We ain't too lazy to miss our, miss our show. 
You know, there's shows that come out. I'm not a big TV person, but there's certain shows that come out I love to watch. I love Fortune Fire. I just, I just like to watch it. I just love to see, you know, these, these. Matter of fact, if I watch a show and there's so many seasons of them, ask my kids. They get so, Dad, seriously, you just watch that. I'll start over again because there's nothing else good to watch. So I'll start it all over again. By the time I'm done, the 16th time around, I could forge a knife by myself, and I've never even been in a forge. Because I love to, I just love to watch. But you know, I, you, I like to sit down with some popcorn. I mean, popcorn's like, that's like manna. I mean, it's going to be in heaven. There's no doubt about it. And so I love popcorn, and I'll eat that popcorn while I'm watching my, my TV show. We're not too lazy to do things we want to. Right? We're not too lazy to eat. And usually eat pretty good. We're not, too, we're not too lazy to go on vacation. We're not too lazy for recreation. We're not too lazy for our hobbies. When we go out of town, bless her heart. God, God bless her. She's, she has learned through the years. We go out of town. The, one of the first things Wendy does is look up where the local bookstores are. Because she knows. Now, I'll go with her into, you know, a thrift store. I'll go into her, you know, I call them frou-frou stores. I mean, they don't have anything for men. I don't understand a store that has nothing for men. But anyways, those frou-frou stores that, I don't go into the ones like Kirkland. That place smells so bad. I can't, I can't do it. But I usually go in with her. But then it's book time. And she knows. I'll drop you here. I'll be back in a few hours. Just leave me. If I got buried there, I'd be okay. I will take hours and hours and hours to look at books. Why? Because for me, it's not a waste of time. I love it. It might be a waste of time for you, but I love it. So, you know, the, the, I think Miss Monica was outside waiting, waiting on him, but me and Ethan were looking at knives. And Ethan was kind of peaked with my knife. That all, that's all it took. And I was like, oh, well, let me show you these ones. And I started getting out all my... And I, I sit there and talk to you all day about knives where I got this one and what this one is. and I mean, that brand is this. and I, I mean, I love to talk about love to talk about guns. We love to do the things we want to do. We're not too lazy for those. We say that we love God. We say that we love the Word of God. But how much time have you spent with the Word of God this week? Well, I guess Sunday starts over last week. How much time did you spend with the Word of God? We talk about the importance and the effect that prayer has on the world. But how much time did we spend in prayer last week? I'm telling you, it's an indictment on all of us. But we're going to do the things that are important to us. Now, we, we won't go around the corner to tell our neighbor about Jesus, but we'll drive to, you know, we'll drive to Tennessee to go to Dollywood. You see, what's important to you? That's the understanding that we need to get. We need to understand who God is and that one day you and I are going to stand before Him. You and I are going to have to give an answer. Now, it's not going to be for our salvation, but it's going to be for our rewards. And it's a very huge misunderstanding in Christianity today that we are all going to be rewarded in the same way. That is wrong. That's wrong. 
This idea that we're going to get to heaven and, and boy, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to park our Porsche and we're going to go into our mansion and we're going to... Can I, can I, can I bust you a bubble a little, real quick? People hate it when I say this, but it's just the facts. God said that heaven is going to have mansions in it. He didn't say you're getting one. He said, in my father's house there are many mansions. And you get one. That Bible doesn't say you get one. The you get one part's not there. Now they're there. We might get them great. But I'm telling you something. Our problem is we're too focused on a mansion and streets of gold. And do you know why God said that the streets are going to be gold? Because we're going to be walking on what we value here. Walking on it. I mean, it's going to be of no significance. The things you work so hard for. Is it wrong to have things? Of course it's not. God has blessed us with things. But you don't get to take any of them with you. I've got, I've got an, an embarrassing amount of knives. I've got an, an embarrassing amount of Bibles. I mean, I wish... Somebody asked me about a Bible um, a, a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and I said, well, let me, let, me, you know, let me show you a couple of the options that are out there. By the time I was done, I was kind of embarrassed that I had that, that, that many Bibles. Listen to me. I can't take any of them with me. I can't take any knife with me. I can't take any gun with me. I'm not saying it's wrong to have these things, but if that's where your concentration is, that one day when you stand before God and, and rewards are handed out, do you know that your rewards are going to be tried by fire? Did you know that? And if you built nothing but wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to be burned up. Now, now, you don't lose your salvation. Praise God for that. But you can lose your your reward. And I want you to understand something. This reward isn't a matter of saying, oh, you know, God gave me this and oh, look at me. See? See the reward God gave me? In my office, I've got, you know, different things that I've got through the years. Used to be in the bus ministry at um, Trinity. And man, we took a bus. We filled the bus up. This was back in the day. I mean, they were hanging out the windows. I mean, this bus was so full, and we split it. And then that bus got bigger, and we, and we split it. We ended, up having, we ended up having three different buses, just me and, the, me and the guy that ran that one bus. We used to have three different buses that would come in. And I've got this, this thing that you put on your, uh, put on your bookshelf, and it's an old, it's a yellow bus. Now, it's been a long time, so the yellow bus is fading. It's got a little door on it, the door's losing, it kind of spins off of its thing, and it's got a, it's got a little plaque on it. You know what that plaque says? Look what I've done. Do you know when you get your reward here, you got your reward? I'm just sharing with you, don't shoot the messenger, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And so, but you know what? That fades. The rewards that come from God never fade. Where are you, where are you placing your concentration? Where are you placing your love? 
Where are you placing your wisdom? Where are you placing your, your, your energy? Because in the things of this world, they will fade. But in the things of God, they'll last forever. God's people need to get this understanding in their mind and in their head. We are headed in a very bad direction in our world, in our country. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting, the things that are happening. Things that would make our forefathers roll over in their grave. Things that my grandfather, listen to me, my grandfather, who, as far as I know, wasn't saved, would be like, what in the world is going on? Why in the world are people watching this? Why in the world are people saying that this is okay? No, we need to stand up against it. No, we're apathetic and we're lazy and we're paying the price. That's people need to wake up. The Bible says in Ephesians, it says it's high time that we wake up out of sleep. Anybody a morning person? How many people are night people? Yeah. I hate the morning. I mean, I hate I get up because I have to. But I'm telling you, I'd just rather stay up all night long. That's just, that's just me. I mean... Me and Kyle, Wendy's up seeing Anna at North Carolina, so it's just it was just me and Kyle, and we were up and and uh, and we were watching. I can't even remember what we were watching. Some gun, some something about guns, and uh, we were watching it. We watched one episode, and we watched another, and we watched another. And Kyle says, um, "Dad, it's two thirty. I said, "A.M." He's like, "Yeah, Dad, it's two thirty. I said, "Well, I guess we better go to bed." And I, so he goes to his room. I go to my room. I sit down in my recliner in my room and read for another hour. But 7 o'clock comes. Do I have to get up? I mean, have you ever? My mom says this. My mom says it takes her two cups of coffee to wake up in the morning. One for this eye and one for that eye. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like you you get up and, and you've got... Maybe you ended up in your recliner, and you're so cockeyed in your recliner that you're trying to reach over. It's powered. You're trying to reach over, and then you're trying to pull yourself out of the recliner, and you're going like this with your eyeballs, and you're like, ugh. And you're, kind of, you're trying to brush your teeth, and you can't, can't see. And if you're a morning person, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you're a night person, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's hard to wake up. Let me tell you something. The devil has lulled the church to sleep. It's lulled the world to sleep. And we're distracted. I mean, we're distracted with the things that are going on in our lives because we're busy. Do you realize how busy we are? I know probably most of you do, but sometimes I think we forget how busy we are. Do you know this, this last week? I mean, I had so many things on my list. There's several things I didn't even get done because it was a funeral and it was a, 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 a hospital visit. And then, as an older, listen to me. You know, you'd do me a favor if you all went to the same hospital. It don't happen, does it? And sometimes you go to multiple hospitals. And so you're at, well, we have Evan, and then we're at Memorial, and then you're at St. Joseph's, and then they're at Candler. And it, I mean, and then you got to go here, and you got to do this. And oh, oh, yeah, I forgot I wanted to do this. And oh, well, I had to say no to that because I had all these other things to do. We're all like that. 
And if you're not careful, you'll let this world pass you by. And the things that you've done for Christ are the only things that are going to last. Remember that little quip missionary said? Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. We get one shot. I think of these missionaries. I think of people like David Livingston. Ever read anything about David Livingston? Wow, went to Africa. Matter of fact, David Livingston not only uh, was a church planter and saw people safe, but man, he was an explorer and a discoverer. I mean, he discovered waterfalls that nobody had ever seen. And I mean, it's just, I mean, the man was unbelievable. Spent his entire life, spent his everything in Africa winning people to Christ. Matter of fact, when they went to ship his body home, one of the nationals, can you imagine this? One of the nationals cut his heart out. And buried his heart in Africa. Because that's where his heart was. Shipped his body. Heart was in Africa. Where's your heart? What's important to you? We say family's important to us, but do we spend time with them? We say our kids are important to us, but are we raising them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Do you know how many parents I've said, for no other reason, get in church for your kids' sake? Do you know what they're facing? Do you know what they're hearing? If they're in public school, I don't care how good the school is. I'm telling you, the school's full of children. And they're not all coming from the same household that you're raising your children in. If you don't have the birds and the bees conversation with your children early, somebody at school will. I'm just being blunt. I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, it's happening, and it's passing us by, and, pa- and we're saying this is important to us, but we're not spending any time on it. We're saying that God's important to us. I don't think there's a person in here this morning that would say, no, preacher, you're wrong. God's not important to me. God wasn't important to you in some way. You wouldn't be sitting here. So we say, and we know that God's important to us, but it takes more than a plaque on your wall and a fish on your car. It takes having an understanding of who God is and why you're here. God has got you here for such a time as this. Get busy. Get busy because sooner or later you're going to get to the end and you're going to look back and go, what just happened? How did it get by so fast? The investment that we placed in our children, I'm not saying is over, but the majority of it is because they're older now. They're all adults. I say to Wendy all the time, listen, I say to Wendy all the time, babe, they're adults. They've got to make their own decisions. I want to pinch their head off half the time. I want to protect them half the time. Somebody says something against them. Up, oh, all right, let's go. I've told boys, listen, I've told boys, I want you to understand something. You're interested in my daughter. I am a dad first and a preacher second. Clear? Clear. 
I want to always protect them, right? I always want to be there for them. But at some point, they have their own families. At some point now, praise God, if you have the right relationship with them, you still have influence on them. But they have to make their own decisions. And you only have. And if you have small children, you think, oh my goodness, I have so much time. No, you don't. That time will go by just like that. Spend your dash well for Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.